Welcome to The Clappers. On this episode, we are talking about jazz. Herbie Hancock closes out 2019 Melbourne International Jazz Festival. We're talking The Handmaid's Tale and Big Little Lies. Should they have come back? Or not. Yeah, uh, we little brief skate over the final lasting end of Barry Cassidy's broadcasting career. And papal encyclicals. Uh, What you you need need to to know. know. (laughs) Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. I believe it's called a papal encyclical when something is issued from the Holy See, Vatican City, to tell all the Roman Catholics what they should or shouldn't be doing. Right. And I heard, not really fully paying attention, so you being somebody who works in quasi-journalism can tell me <laughs> if I've got it right or wrong, but I believe that they, the Vatican has declared that gender fluidity and intersex uh, and, and trans... Uh, from one to the other and so forth, is postmodern nonsense and is against nature. Really? Yeah. Well... Yeah, against well, nature. <laughs> I, and, I, and, I, and I, my ears certainly pricked up at the phrase against nature. <laughs> yeah. What about living in houses? Is yep. that against <laughs> nature? <laughs> Driving cars? What is about What about men taking a vow of celibacy and living in a stone building all together, rubbed up and down against each other with their vow of celibacy? <laughs> How natural. How natural. How natural, <laughs> says he. I, like I say, I was. It was only. I, I may be missing some really crucial, interesting points that that don't make this look as ridiculous as it sounds. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it very much. <laughs> Isn't it nice how the they they can make us laugh occasionally? They've got to be good for something. Occasionally, mm. your people, my make, people, your people can make people. us laugh occasionally, which is <laughs> rare and. Delightful. So, have you been to Mass lately, Carl? Mass? Yeah. Help me. Oh, you mean as in Roman Catholic <laughs> Mass? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, dear Lord. My friend's mum went every day. Secretly. Every day? She didn't know. She found out like years, 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 years on that, that her mum had, in a sense of secrecy, she wasn't wearing a cloak or anything. Right. It wasn't the dark of night. It was like 10, 10.30 every morning. She'd trot down to the local cathedral. Was she Italian? No, 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 no. Like Anglo? I believe Irish. Irish, I believe okay. Irish. Yeah, that'll do it. Which is but daily is. I, I mean, even, I mean, for yeah, a devout Irish Catholic daily. Even priests really don't go yes. daily. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> they avoid it as much as they can. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting interesting faith. Let's move on from mm. the Roman Catholics, oh, shall we? Yes, Unless yes, you've got please. something you want to get off your chest. <laughs> Well, what one does attempt to move on from Roman Catholicism, although it's always kind of there yeah, in, some, yeah. in some way. So, Carl. Yes, Andrew? Just very briefly. because You know, we like to keep it fresh. We don't like to go back and fresh, forth, back and forth, fresh. back and forth. The last episode of Insiders with Barry Cassidy was oh, on, yes. on Sunday, and I encourage anybody who likes the show, to, to if they missed it, you can grab it on iView. It was really good. And it was... It was like Barry didn't clearly didn't want to do anything like have a cake or a band, <laughs> you know. He just wanted to do a normal show, and and the, the only thing that he there were two things. No fuss, no fuss. He had the same pan, three panelists that were on the very first episode. Oh, nice, which okay. was nice, and 
he did a tribute to Matt Price, who was a journalist who was on there uh, and died very suddenly and very young. Um, and so he did a bit of a tribute to Matt Price, which was, which was very moving and, and great. But you could see that he was planning to just end it as he began it, normal show, and then 15 minutes before the end, to his complete horror, it's, it's great to see the look <laughs> on his face. Right? It turned into this is your life. Mike Bowers runs onto the set, interrupts him, and he, he really looks like, if you don't get off this set, I'm going to thump you, and plugs himself down on the sofa and runs a reel of every person that you can think of associated with either the show Australian politics uh, saying, good on you, Barry. And he didn't like it at all. Really? <laughs> I really don't think he did. I think the last thing he wants is to see every person go, you know, Barry, you're a national treasure. Barry, you are the most honest dick. You know, all that stuff people say. And, and it, it would seem that he's not the kind of person, unlike me, who could take an hour of praise, an hour of, an hour of semi-known journalist and well-known politician saying how great I am. I could take that for an hour easy. Okay. Only an hour? Maybe more. Maybe, maybe more. more. <laughs> but I think, that, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was 12 minutes, not 15 minutes. Right. It's got its own section on iView. Right. You want, yeah. um, they really did, that you could have just left that, you know, if you want to see some tributes go, because it was really good watching the actual show, which will never be like that again. And the thing about that show is it's really good. And to have any part of it taken away, you've kind of, no. Get away from there. We want let's, let's go back to 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 the stories at hand because there've been some stories at hand this week. Really, with the press, yes. Mm. We don't need to talk about them because it'll be too late, and people. And, and if uh, we do, the AFP will probably raid us. Exactly, exactly. They'll break down this door, which is held with a piece of felt, so <laughs> it would not withstand the heavy jackboots of the AFP. So anyway, it was a, it was a great show, and I'm very sorry on the one hand, but again, you know, a, a person has to retire at some point, and fair enough. So. I hope that the two hosts who are filling in for David Spears, should he ever be <laughs> relinquished from oh, no, that. No, they've given him a date. It's now 2020. He'll yeah, be there sometime uh, early in 2020. Well, that's what the ABC say. What does Sky no, say? Sky. Oh, Sky. Sky, Sky. Oh, okay. Okay. That. All right. Yeah. So I hope the two people that take over are capable and able to helm a show with the lack of... I reckon they've got a little bit of experience, don't you? Yeah, I do too. I know who they are. Do you know who they are? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's all on the topic of Insiders, a great show. Andrew, Mm -hmm. two big TV shows that have come back and arguably neither of them should have. Good. I love the word arguably. <laughs> who, who, who argues for? Who argues against? Uh, so I'm talking about Big Little Lies, yep. season two of that, and I'm talking yep. about The Handmaid's Tale, season three of that. Yep. And uh, without saying too much about, about either in terms of plot, you could certainly make the case that Big Little Lies, which is based on a book, Leanne Moriarty's novel, uh, was done and dusted. At the end of season one. You could say exactly the same thing about The Handmaid's Tale. It was done and dusted based on Margaret Atwood's yeah, book got to at the end, end of, the book. of season one. That came back for season two and there were still little there were bits and pieces of it that I thought it was it was really mining quite well from the book that hadn't been fully explored. So that mm. was that was good. All the stuff about the colonies and so on outside of Gilead. Yeah. Season two ended on yeah. we're talking about Handmaid's Tale with a, a moment that was sort of just like mind ringingly difficult to comprehend like why did that happen that did not make any sense to me does it make sense now season three begins yeah with 
a, a character who's been. Well, I'm going to have to say a little bit about this. Am I? Am I? No. Can we avoid it? Okay, all no. right. Let's, let's avoid no. it. Okay. So a character who's Please been. Please don't. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, I'll, I'll go out. I'll go out of the room. Okay. <laughs> and you just give me a. I'll block my ears and I'll look through the window and you once, give me a wave when again, you're finished. Once again, the question of the statute of limitations yeah. on spoilers comes up. You've had a year, man. I have had a year. Come on. But I. You didn't I, go out? I know. I'd never go out. <laughs> you I'm, watch this be some demand? I'm, I'm home all you day. You complain all endlessly night. about I'm the ads. So, what is your excuse? Um, anyway, sorry, I'm getting hysterical. That's let's, okay. Let's okay. go back to the deep voice. That's okay. Anyway, so season three begins yes. with a character who's been intimately involved in this nonsensical moment, mm. not 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 responsible for mm. this moment the that moment. makes no sense, but, but confronted by it, and yeah. begins season three by going, "What just happened?" Mm-hmm. Like you. It's idiotic. Like you. They, they've been listening to the clappers. Thoughts. They think we need a Carl Quinn <laughs> to come in strong, hard, all fours, thrusting, saying, what the hell are you thinking? And I and I think his exact phrase is, what were you thinking? Okay. Right. And, and it's almost like he's speaking for the audience, or at least that yeah. chunk of the audience, yeah. a very sizable chunk so of you, the audience. You ima- I imagine you've been seeing a lot of social media on this and, and no, you've got I, a, I, I, I try to avoid social media. So how do you know sort of what chunk of the audience feels as you? Because at the end of season two, yeah. there, I, I was aware of what was going on in in the conversation and there was certainly a, uh, let's say, a bifurcation of opinion. Right? Okay. Yep. Although I'd say it probably swung more towards the what the hell was that than it did towards the I can understand why that happened. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but, you know, yeah. you know, roughly, let's say roughly, it was split down mm, the middle. Okay. Right? Anyway, a lot of people are grieved by it. And at the beginning of season three, we get that direct question of like, what the hell? Is it explained, this question? Well, yes In a satisfactory no. fashion, is it explained? It is explained. Are you satisfied with the explanation? No. No, okay. <laughs> and so I, I direct my next question, Your Honour, to the plaintiff. Should this television series have reached a third season? Well, once you've gone where it went in at the end of season two, mm. it had to have a third season. Okay, right. right. So it was yeah, but it, should I, should it? Well, like, I think I think you could justify a second season to a large degree. Yeah. I think, and there was a there was a satisfactory ending available. And uh, they didn't take and it. They didn't take so it so that they could make a third so season. We've seen this happen yep. so many times. And I think that what's happening in season three, and I've watched the first four episodes at this stage. Okay. Yep. Um, you are a martyr. I am not a martyr. I mean, it's still interesting. Yeah. There's still a lot in it that is compelling. Yeah. But it feels that fundamentally now, um, June, uh, formerly Offred, the okay. character yep. Yep. played with by you. Elizabeth Moss, yep. uh, is serving the demands of the narrative rather than behaving in a way that makes sense and doing things that make sense mm-hmm. in the world that has been constructed. I mean, yep. it feels like the story is basically being propelled by the the engine of the story rather than the logic of the world. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is problematic. I, okay. I, I find that really troubling. Mm-hmm. I had to write something about this recently, mm. uh, which was also about what I, I, I sort of, I feel is a kind of uh, a fundamentalism, a gender fundamentalism in it that, mm. that is creeping in, or it's teetering on the edge of it. And uh, I've, got, I've got a few sort of like not all men, hashtag not all men pannings yeah. over that. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like, well, I kind of get where that's coming from. But mm. I also just think that if 
the this is I mean this is a sort of uh, conjectural you know kind of scenario the Handmaid's Tale that extrapolates from the real world right mm. and there are lots of elements that you could go well that that exists that exists that exists in the real world and Margaret Atwood and 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 uh, Mike uh, Barker the the co-creators of the, well he's the creator of it and Margaret Atwood is still involved in in the story direction I suppose um, they, they've talked about how. All the things, all the scenarios that you see in The Handmaid's Tale have real-world antecedents. They're not completely fictionalised. So you can you can sort of make a case for it as a piece of speculative fiction that posits where things could go if things went horribly wrong. Um, and I think when, you, when you're trying to find a resolution to that scenario, to posit uh, something that is basically about, like, almost like an inversion of the the horror scenario that you get it kind of feels like that's not really a very a particularly great outcome you know kind of i don't know maybe i'm being a bit soft on this but i'd like to think that there's still some role for men <laughs> in this future that it's like that we don't get completely all torched that we're not have you seen the stepford wives Film uh, the Stepford Wives. Oh, long, long, long time ago. So I don't think that there's a problem in in what you're saying in making a show. I don't know what happens, but where something happens, well, I don't know what happens yet. <coughs> you know, to all the men or to some of the men. You know, that that it's it's Goodbye, an imaginary. It's, it's an well, so what? It's an imaginary world. You know, make yeah. make make do, yeah. do what you like. You know, <laughs> I don't care. But there's, a, but, you know, there's a kind of there's a political discourse at play in this. It's not it's not purely like oh, wouldn't it be fun to imagine this, right? There is a kind of okay. There is an imperative, I think. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, having having not seen it, I can just go. Okay. Maybe I'm just feeling, you know, implicated. Okay. Maybe you know, are implicated. Maybe I am. Maybe no, I am. We, we don't know. Well, all those who all those who go poke the finger at me and go hashtag not all men yeah. clearly think I'm implicated. There you are. Or maybe they're right. Heresy. That's what you get punished for. <laughs> Not for being part of the resistance. Because officially, there is no resistance. Not for helping people escape. Because officially, there's no such thing as escape. You working hard? Yes. So while I've been lounging around watching telly, what have you been doing? I've had a very busy few days at the Melbourne International Festival of Jazz. 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 So, again, quickly, because we covered it, uh, the Ross Irwin, Miles Davis kind of blue gig yeah. was sublime. Was it? One of the best things I've seen. It was great. And I... So, so to, go, yeah. to go back to the question I raised yeah. whenever we talked mm -hmm. about this last, it's like... Is it is it a uh, a note perfect rendition no, 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 or no, no, is it no. a variation? On so the I, I mentioned that there were a lot of extra instruments to yeah. the original recording, and the orchestrations and arrangements uh, lengthened all the pieces and right. gave some of them different time signatures and different rhythms and different feels and the the blend of the styles of the different musicians because they're not all jazz musicians in, right. in as much as how they earn their daily bread. So some of them play very different music off. With, with their own bands, right? Uh, it was it was everything that you could hope for and as, what was especially good. And I didn't notice this, which is interesting, so transfixed by the stage and the music, 
The place was full of people. Nobody talked. Nobody moved. Nobody held up their phone to film the concert, which is an unfortunate and unavoidable situation nowadays when you go out and see a band. And nobody did it. It's amazing. No one, there was no sign saying not to do it. One fool took a photo with a flash right at the start. That was just one and once and that was it. The rest was just complete absorption. So then turned into Day of the Locusts and you <laughs> stomped to death. So it was like 100 minutes. It's a very short album and a concert was at least 100 minutes. And the album's about 52 or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's uh, maybe even less. Yeah. Uh, it's not a long album. It's only got five tracks. and So um, I mentioned this because should this – happen again sometime someplace go and see it just go and see it is it likely to happen again it could happen again if somebody (laughs) says hey I'm doing the festival of jazz in Malaysia we'd love to bring you over to do this we've heard it's great and you live in Malaysia or in in New Zealand or KL or anywhere it's not likely to happen in Melbourne again it it? it may it may happen as part of White Nights Andrew Young says hey it's my birthday it's my birthday unlike Barry Cassidy I want a cake (laughs) and a band (laughs) So that was great. Just, just keep that in the back of your mind in case it happens again. Uh, and the, the nocturnal thing at the Melbourne Museum, which was on the same night, I went afterwards. That was, that was a blast, packed full of people, all having a really wholesome time to the, the bands that were playing. That was great. So they do a nocturnal every year at Melbourne Museum. And I think, uh, alas, there were two food trucks out the front. Oh, Almost I, ruined the experience. I ignored them. Oh, I walked well, right no. past them and yeah. ignored They're them. They're still smarting. I snubbed. I smarting. snubbed. I gave them the back <laughs> of my hand to the food trucks. But okay. the, I mean, the one the one act that mm. even people who don't know much or care much about jazz yes. will will have some recognition yes. of is Herbie Hancock. Exactly. That so is the big name. How was that? That that was interesting. It was great. It was great if you like the kind of jazz that started happening in the early 70s, bands like Weather Report, Headhunters. Uh, what, was, what was that band? Are we using we, the, the Ma- word fusion here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahavishnu Orchestra, Miles Electric Live Evil. So it was only a four-piece group, but that right. it was a very explosive uh, combination. The, the the drummer, Vinnie Colliuta, uh, just played the most amazing uh complex fills and and rhythms he was doing a lot of maths up there that i couldn't keep up really? with yeah he really <laughs> did the maths if you want someone to do the maths get the collar uterine okay and on drums we have pythagoras uh, yeah amazing <laughs> euclid even uh and the bass unfortunately and i spoke to some people afterwards who've seen things there before i don't go there often where is there oh hamer hall sorry oh, hamer hall right. bass was very muffled and and unclear the bass player had a lot of notes a lot right. of time a lot of it was not not right. articulate and not penetrating a bit muddy yeah and muffled which is very unfortunate the guitarist played a kind of guitar that that went through a lot of different sounds and 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 effects si- pedals, effects pedals yeah. and so it never at any point sounded like a guitar which is fine which yeah. is good yeah. herbie 79 I, I thought he was in his 80s 79 uh, looks great just okay. a young man uh didn't play very much Oh, really? In terms of quantity of notes. It's something I've noticed a lot when older musicians yeah, start yeah. coming out and doing a final lap. They don't play a lot. They'll set something up. Miles Davis did this in 86, I think it was, when, when I saw him in Sydney. They'll set something up. They'll play some phrases. Then everyone else will take it. Yeah. They'll come in at the end. Uh, everybody's solos. So they're preserving themselves. Mm, everybody's solos were far longer yeah. uh, in, in, in time. And that doesn't mean that 
what that wasn't any good. It's just something that I thought was really noticeable. And I think people who like Herbie Hancock's playing from whatever period you're you're thinking of, yeah. and he did a little nod to Cantaloupe Island and to Rocket, um, interpretation of you know. I think they would maybe like to have seen him play a bit yeah. more, yeah. a lot more, in fact. But it was, I don't like, I don't listen to this type of jazz at all. I'm glad I went, and it was a really exciting and and stimulating concert for the most part. And I think it's it's one of those kind of icon slash legend events where people are constantly on their feet applauding. So right. I reckon the whole room really enjoyed it. They were on their feet. Uh, a couple of times at the end, so mm. you know, and he and and all, all the musicians came across as such a, a lovely fellow and and warm and generous and 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 humble. You know, mm. the man's a Buddhist, so I imagine there's a lot of humility in the uh, in the chants and the meditations that he does. Uh, I, I I reckon almost everybody there was glad to be there and, and really enjoyed themselves. Did you, know? you see Leonard Cohen? When he, when he talks? I have no interest in Leonard Cohen. None. Never heard a Leonard Cohen song. No, no, I've heard that what? song that he wrote that everybody does. <laughs> oh, it's truth. Which one? Oh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to ask which one. <laughs> the song that he wrote that everybody does. Oh, which one would that be? Because they do so many Leonard Cohen songs. No, I don't know what he sounds like. I've got no interest in him whatsoever. I believe he's a pants man, which is, I suppose, interesting. Not anymore. No. No, I know he's dead, right? Yeah, yeah. So no pants for, for no Leonard. Pants in, no pants anymore. In the ground or in the stove, wherever they, wherever he ended up. Mm. So why do you ask? Oh, because it was a similar. Co- well, <laughs> he's also a Buddhist. But, ah, you know, okay. Incidental. Yeah. Um, he looked good. Now Buddhism, I think, preserves the fibers. It's clearly quite good for you, the. You, for the st- you don't drink. You don't smoke. You don't eat meats. You're virtually a vegan, and you you avoid overstimulating foods like onions and garlic and things like that. And so it clearly preserves the fibers. Good for the body as well as the soul, allowing you to be seemingly the, the pants man, well into. I, yeah, <laughs> you, you I think it was more the robe. Man, okay, by, all right. By okay. the end, okay, yeah. all right, sure, sure. No, no, but when he uh, he came out, I mean, he was he was sort of, he went back to touring because he'd lost all of his money. He'd been swindled by a manager. And happens all, that all the time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Nina Simone scenario. Yeah, um, and at least I think that's I think that's the the background to why he sort of resumed touring mm-hmm. very very late. I think it was late seventies, maybe even early eighties when, okay. when he went on the road again after many years of not and. And it was and it was great. Okay, it was great. You but, feel like you that know, kind of but thing. it's kind of like I mean, Leon Cohen always had a a voice that was not like you don't go. Oh my god, that man can sing. No, uh, no, like Bob Dylan. Yes, yeah, not not a million miles mm. from that, I suppose. Um, but he had enormous charisma and presence, and he sort of stood there on on stage at mm. um, Rod Laver, I think it was, sort of like. A little bit quavery, a little bit, you know, wobbly, but still kind of commanding, and and I, I think people loved it. Yeah, and whatever its shortcomings may have been in yep. terms of like the actual uh, delivery of of particular notes or or songs, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. I think people just love the fact. They that love it's the happening. fact. That, well, fact, exactly. There are people there in that audience who loved. Oh my God, Herbie Hancock is here. Now he's been here before, mm. but you always. Without being morbid, you always worry that, right. that if you don't go, you may never go. And, and eventually, that yeah, will actually be, be, the case. be the case. When I was a kid, I, I didn't have the money to go and see every band, every concert that mm. came out to mm. Australia. And there were a couple I missed. And there was one band that came out. They may have even been here twice. 
and I missed them both times and half the band died. And <laughs> after that, they, they, as far as I'm concerned, they were not worth listening to. They, right, did con- right. they did continue on, but the best band of this band were the first two albums with the four original members intact. Are we, we going to hear who this band is? band's called The Pretenders. Oh, yes. You know them? Yeah, Those first two albums I still listen to and get a lot of enjoyment out of and I regret so much that I never saw them play. Mose Allison, never saw. Mose Allison came to Australia once the night before my English HSC exam. And was I allowed to go to the basement in Ryby Place, Circular Quay, to see Mose Allison? I'm guessing the answer isn't yes. The answer is no. It is my HSC English exam tomorrow. Did he ever return? No. Was he advertised as returning and playing at the recital hall? Yes, I bought a ticket. Oh, what happened? He never came. And you know why he never came? Because he died. Because, because, no, he was never booked to come. <gasps> the recital centre said, oh, sorry, Mose Allison can't come now, so instead we're putting somebody else on, somebody really good. I said, no, nah, that's not on. Give him my money back. They did. I contacted him through his, his wife who, who answers his emails, said, I've been married to Mose since 1962, shall we say. He, he has never missed a gig in his life. We know nothing about this gig. Nothing about any ads, nothing about any tickets being sold to Mose Allison. Really? Yep, yep. I'm, I'm sure that I can retrieve that email because I back up everything to hard drives. <laughs> and while, <laughs> the, while, while the computer that I wrote it on may not exist, the hard drive does. And I have a ticket somewhere in my top or middle drawer that has Mose Allison Recital Center written on it. So, so I never saw him. Oh. We went away on our honeymoon and tried to plan it so we could be somewhere where Mose Allison was playing. He just finished playing in this city and, and his, his son was like his tour manager. And so You were following him around? Trying to find what, no dice. Cat and Mose. Yes, Cat and Mose. <laughs> so I've never seen Mose Allison play. I've never talked to him. I've never seen him. There's a lovely Andrew Ford interview with him that goes for a very long time, like an hour or something that was played after he died that Andrew Ford did a few years ago. And he sounds as great as you think he would be. If you ever listen to a Mose Allison song and, and you hear it and you think, God, oh, that guy must be great. Well, he is, according to the interview I heard. But I can't tell you in person, never met him, never saw him. And I regret it. And I, you can tell, can't you? I'm still I'm, pretty I'm, upset about this. I, I, look, <laughs> I, just lie down, lie down. And we can continue. We can, yes, we can. Yes, so we can continue. So the people who got to see Herbie Hancock, I'm very happy that you were in the audience, as was I, because you know you won't be able to say, "Damn, I missed it." Oh, have to be next time. My great regret in terms mm-hmm. of gigs I didn't see mm-hmm. and should have gone to see mm-hmm. was Blur when they first toured here in, I think, 95 or something. Okay, okay. I had tickets. I hadn't even paid for them. <laughs> you don't deserve. You do not deserve. And, and, it, and it was a really cold, wet night. Oh, don't. don't I know. I don't, know. Don't tell know. people this. Don't. We're going to edit this out. People, no, 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 do not I'm, humiliate this yourself. Confession. This is my confession. Okay. Father. All right. Okay. Father, bless me, Father. Okay. Three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers. And I didn't go. My 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 date bailed on me at the mm. last minute. I just went. Oh, it's so hard to get out. And I didn't go. And luckily, where was it at? Luckily, where was it I at? I can't remember. I think it was at the Metro. On, yeah, uh, I don't think it was somewhere big. No, I think yeah. it was Metro on Burke Street. Yeah, that, um, that would have been good. But I did get to see them when they last came. Well, I saw them when they last came. Yeah, and it was great. But I still wish I'd seen them the first time because it would have been better. It would have been. They had a lot of support musicians on stage with them that they oughtn't to have needed and that wouldn't have been there the first time yeah. you saw them. 
which I found unfortunate. Uh, I went though, and I'm grateful to the friend who offered me the free ticket to go and see them. Someone had bailed, and she said, "Hey, I've got a free ticket to Blur. Come and see them with me." And I did, and 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 I'm really grateful for that experience to be, to have seen them. To be able to say, but I just wish those extra guys weren't there. Now I'm going to tell you about one other. Yeah, do do where, do do where. I am you had amazed. free tickets, no, free accommodation, no, no. flights, and you went, nah, nah. Get to sleep with the lead singer. Nah. Oh, no, no. I think that, I'm going to so wash would, my that hair. That would be Motley Crue then, would it? <laughs> or yeah. Aerosmith. No, this, this is a gig where, you know, when you're talking about the, the gigs you missed and, mm. you know, mm. oh, what if, what if they never come because they're dead, right? Yeah. So this is a gig that I saw and I am astonished to discover that they're still touring and the lead singer is not dead. Uh, Psychedelic Furs. I saw them. Are they still it, touring? Yeah, they're oh, still around. I think and they're Richard great. Butler. Oh, they've Richard got Butler some, is still alive. They if, have some great songs, if don't ever they? there's a man yeah. who looked like he was not going to make it past 27. But those guys always do. The guys who look like what they're at that? death's door always make those healthy fellas. <laughs> those healthy fellas <laughs> shoving their health down your throat. They're the ones, just like that. One minute they're here, boom, they're gone. But those blokes who look like corpses, they're always around. So it was like, I don't know, 1982 or something. I mm-hmm. saw them at Festival mm-hmm. Hall in Brisbane. Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the best use of feedback I've ever yeah. ever witnessed in a, in a live gig. and, and just. But he was, he was like the definition of loose. You know, he's sort of mm. like slouching on mm. the microphone. Mm. Singing in this sort of like smacky drawl, you would have loved really that. Really looked like he was not going to make it through the night, yes, let yes. alone <laughs> the next thirty years. Um, you'd have loved that scene in "Call Me by Your Name," the psychedelic first scene. Remind me, I, I've forgotten the. So the first the, scene. The, the the is it the school is the it school lo- teacher and the young boy yeah. are prancing around the wet dark streets in some village, and you can hear echoing backwards of fours against the walls. Uh, love my way. way. I yeah. think it's love my way. Um, and some people are playing in their car radio, and everyone has a dance. Yeah, together. yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, 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 yes. A couple of years ago, I think Julian Wilson, the sax player, said to people who were saying how great the jazz festival was. Mm. I hope I'm not misquoting him or anything. Are we still like talking that. jazz? <laughs> Just a little, little taste. <laughs> A coda. It, this is a coda. coda. Is that what you call it? it? <laughs> he said, look, yeah, this is great, but you know, every night and every day in Melbourne, there are bands playing that could really use your support and could really use people coming along and seeing them and, and putting some money in the tin, so to speak, or whatever it is on the door. Uh, all these great musicians that, that, that are playing on a massive stage in front of huge amounts of people next week will be playing in the beer garden yeah, or yeah, in the yeah. jazz club and yeah. there might be 10, there might be 20, might be 50. So he was in the, the Miles Davis thing um, and he's not unused to big audiences either. But the Sunday afternoon, he and Matt Jodrell, the trumpet player on the Miles Davis gig, were playing in the beer garden in the corner at the Pinnacle doing a Sydney Bechet thing. So it's like rag, not ragtime, more traditional New Orleans style jazz. And there were a lot of people there. You could almost say that it was full and it was great to see that, yes, there's this big jazz festival going on at Hamer Hall with tickets from 160 bucks down to 85 bucks, but also at the other end of the street in at the Pinnacle in North Fitzroy on a Sunday afternoon. You've got a lot of people, young people too, as well as old, getting into traditional um, styles of jazz, which is not my favourite style, just like the Herbie Hancock styles. But it's great to see and, and, and it's, it's great, to, great to witness. And 
it, it was an interesting, you know, counter poise mm. to the the big events that I'd seen that week. This little well, it's it's the nature of festivals, isn't it? They suck mm. up a lot of lot of oxygen. They yep. they yep. drag people out for yep. that that you know brief period. Yeah. And then that might be the only time all year that a lot of people engage with that. Exactly. That, um, and I think that was his point yeah. that like, yeah, if you've had a good time, please don't leave it another year, mm. you know, because we all have to eat and, and pay our rent. Yeah. You know, it's, and I didn't, there was nothing pathetic about that at all. I thought, I thought that was a really strong um, message to, to send yeah. to people. And, and I take every opportunity to tell it to people. So I just took it then. Of course, everybody's rejoicing in Geelong being two games clear at the top of the ladder of Collingwood and beating Richmond. You say everybody? Yeah, 104 to 37, a glorious, famous total. But as well, as well as that, as well as that, Carlton. Carlton. Carlton won a game of football. And all it took was sacking a coach. And so my advice to Carlton is each week, sack your coach, (laughs) win a game. That's how it's done with some teams. Other teams, like perhaps the Geelong Football Club retain their coach and win games. Other teams, that's yeah, not really for each them. Each to their own. Exactly. Their live own. and let live. That's what I say. So it's uh, it's Tuesday as we're recording this. Yes. Uh, let's hope that tomorrow the Carlton board comes out and says that yep. the coach has the full support of the uh, <laughs> of the board. By Friday he's gone. Saturday, another win. Another win. Another win. That would be great for the Carltons. I spoke to my, one of my friends who, who barracks for Carlton. He was... Not quite bewildered because he's been around for long enough to know that every time you, you sack your coach, your, your players want to prove that it wasn't, it wasn't, our, it wasn't fault. our fault. It wasn't our fault. It was, it was clearly the coach's fault. Look how great we can play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, just, just so you know. It's a funny old game, isn't Just it? so the audience knows. Carl is a Carlton supporter, whereas I am a Geelong supporter. <laughs> so it wasn't, didn't come across... It's clear at all. That's that's how we roll here at the Clappers. I, I have to confess that I'm really a lightweight Carlton supporter. I love my your wife, confessions, wife, man. We've been getting confessions uh, all day from you. You know, the papal encyclical. <laughs> it just it does. I know does it does something to you. you. You have to. You have to unburden it's, it's your in the, soul. It's in the water. It's yeah, in the holy yeah. water. So what does she say? Uh, I was just going to say that my wife does the heavy lifting when it comes to yeah, supporting. Yeah, she, she's really a, a hardcore Carlton oh, hardcore, supporter. Hardcore. Mm. Born and bred. Mm. You know, I didn't grow up on the game. So. No, nor did I, nor did I. So I always feel like a bit of a charlatan because I've never played it and I didn't grow up with it. So there are still things that, that happen on the field that bewilder me, free kicks given, uh, penalties given, and I have no idea why they were, whereas everybody else understands why. Uh, everybody, all the commentators, everybody else knows. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I never played, so, you know, uh, th- I'm look, a pisher. In terms, of, in terms of, like, the bewildering application of the rules yes, in yes, AFL, yes. my favourite is, is that if you go up and you put your knees in somebody's back mm-hmm. and you come down with the ball, mm-hmm. well played. Yeah. You come down without the ball, it's yeah. a foul. Yeah. We don't say foul. Well, we, we don't so use that kind I of language in Australian rules football. <laughs> Thank you very much. Those low cant expressions. <laughs> You'll be penalised. Penalised. That's it for the Clappers. Next episode, no jazz. <laughs> Is that a promise? No. <laughs> <laughs> As close as you're going to get. It may be that between now and our next recording, all I do is listen to jazz and see jazz play the jazz. Might be all I have to offer you from now on. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, No, I'm not. Goodbye. Goodbye.